Welcome to Glitch Cube, we're a gaming podcast, and each week we take a deeper look into the art of video games. I'm Christian. I'm Chris. And welcome back to another fun and exciting episode. Uh, I believe this is what, episode 35? Wow. Right? That's crazy. This has been a really, really fun ride. And mm-hmm. yeah, once again, we say it every single episode, but thank you guys so much for all the love and support out there, because without you, we probably really wouldn't be doing this. <laughs> so Yeah. So thank you guys once again. And uh, before we jump into today's topic, like we start off every single one of our episodes, I just want to know, do you have anything out there that you want to plug or uh, just bring some praise to? Um, I think for me, I mean, by the time this is published, it'll be a few days old, but just all the news that's been happening, um, the Dragon Quest 3 2D HD looks amazing i love the octopath look and them incorporating that in like an older game it's such a good style yeah and it it makes me excited because i'm thinking they could do this with any old jrpg like oh man that'd be awesome that's such a great way to like modernize these titles and still keep them feeling like nostalgic right and it doesn't Mm -hmm. like take away from that game yeah i'm excited i i hope they do it for all of them. I mean, I'll gladly rebuy them if they do that for everything. Cause I'm a sucker for that look. <laughs> um, and I mean, another thing I was excited about is the new horizon footage just looks mm. phenomenal. I, it makes me excited to see the future of like games with the graphics and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, it's crazy. Like I was looking at old, super nintendo graphics and then i look at like this and i'm just like dude like in this short amount of time i mean it's not short but it's shorter compared to other progression in technology and stuff but it's just it's crazy where we're at now and seeing the unreal 5 demo i'm just like dude like this next gen or the gen after is gonna be insane and i'm excited yeah we just keep advancing and to think about like where we came from like 20, 30 years ago to now, like that's such a huge leap, not just like graphically, but with like themes and different like aspects of gaming, all aspects of gaming, how much they've evolved over time. And yeah, it's, it's crazy. And it's just going to keep going and yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. I love it. I, I love this kind of stuff. So it's fun seeing the, what's happening in the world with games yeah definitely. but uh what about you oh for me this past you know week i've been really really getting back into uh listening to more and more D stuff um mm. i've been habitually watching the dimension 20 episodes um nice. i actually am on the last episode of one of their like side quests that they do uh it's called tiny heist and it's amazing like they actually have the McElroy brothers in there huh. um not just the brothers the family the father's a part of it as well but it's such a great concept and i i know i mentioned this before but like the way that brendan lee mulligan he dms his games it's just insane the amount of depth that he puts into these things and then when you look at like the actual like overarching theme of it it's so like whimsical and kind of silly but he creates such depth and just interesting situations for these players to go through and it's 
super, super funny. So like the one I'm finishing right now, Tiny Heist, uh, they actually are a bunch of toys and like kind of like borrowers kind of people. Um, huh. And they're trying to steal a roll of quarters from a mob boss. <laughs> and <laughs> like in order for the toys to be alive, they either need the love of a child. Um, but if they don't have a child anymore, then they actually need fairy dust to stay alive. And they basically just treat fairy dust like cocaine. so at one point like they're all setting up the heist and they give everybody a job to do and then two of the characters don't really have like a lot to do at that moment because like everyone else has everything covered and they're like well um do you want to go get some drugs (laughs) (laughs) so they just go off on like a weird little like side quest in the campaign to just go score some fairy dust real quick so that they can stay alive for another couple days nice (laughs) yeah so it's just super silly to see that where it like it starts out all like cutesy. Or it's like, oh, there's a kid playing in the backyard and he has his toys and he just wants his family to play with him. And then all of a sudden they're like in a casino and some dude's getting killed because he owes money. And like they're over in the back corner snorting fairy dust. Like it's just <laughs> <laughs> it's so ridiculous, but such a great little story. And yeah, like I said, Brennan Lee Mulligan is an amazing DM, and yeah, it's just so much fun watching his stuff. Um, unfortunately, a lot of these campaigns are behind a paywall, so you do have to subscribe to Dropout TV in order to get it, mm. but they do have a couple seasons available on YouTube of like The Unsleeping City, and I think there's a couple other ones on there too. But they're definitely worth checking out. And I guarantee if you watch through a campaign, you're going to want to watch the rest of them because what he does is just nuts. So, All right. So jumping into this week's episode, we are really excited to have, talk about this guy or talk about this topic with y'all. Uh, <laughs> it's, you know, as we all know, or you should know, uh, it is Pride Month. And this is actually the first week of Pride Month. And in in lieu of that, we actually want to uh, put out an episode um, about that, about gaming in that community and just kind of show our support for the LGBTQ community out there. Um, yeah, this is just a month to show love and respect for everyone of all facets of the world. So what kind of games out there or like what's a game that stands out to you right now that like has a really strong representation or is there anything out there that you would like to see more of or what 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 do you got what's your general thought um i think for me one that really stood out to me that when i first played it i i didn't know the backstory to it mm-hmm. and then once i found out about it i it, i mean it totally clicked and it it made you know it it made it even more powerful than what I already thought of it. And I know I've talked about this game before in the past, but I just, I love it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, Celeste. Mm, yeah. Um, basically you play as the main character, Madeline, who you, it, it's a story about someone who's climbing a mountain, right? Right. And it's, you know, you're just one little person going against this steep mountain and throughout your journey, you're battling this like dark version of yourself. And, 
you know, you see yourself in the mirror as this dark being, which then comes out and kind of like pushes you down this mountain, trying to make you not reach the peak. Mm-hmm. And for me, when I first played it, like it, it hit me as like, you know, anxiety. It hit me like, you know, everything that, you know, stops you, like your fears. And it's interesting because I was reading the story about it and the creator, Maddie Thorson, Mm-hmm. actually confirmed that the story is about them um, identifying like their gen- like gender identity. Right. And it was interesting because they described it as like the fears, everything like that is like holding them back. They didn't know like this other person that was inside of them. And, you know, reading more about the interview and stuff, it's it's crazy. You know, like it's such a inspiring game that I feel like it gets a lot of love for being like, you know, some people say it's the best indie game in years, which to me, I honestly think that way. Like it's challenging. The story is amazing. It's just for me, like it's amazing. Like I I just love the game a lot. Yeah. And knowing that that was behind it, I'm just like, wow, like this, it's a powerful piece of media. And I feel like it should get even more praise, like everywhere. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we t- I touched on it earlier, but the fact that like not just with like graphics and gameplay have games evolved so quickly in such a short amount of time. But the fact that we're able to use this medium, this art form to now express these more complex themes and help represent a community that feels underrepresented in the in the mm-hmm. field, right? Like we're seeing a resurgence of the, or not resurgence because it didn't really happen before, but like a renaissance period, I guess you could say, of like titles in which people are able to tell their story properly. Right. And I I think that's through the advancements in graphics and like the ease of access and how like we're able to just kind of pick up, you know, anybody can pick up Unity or Unreal and make a game and tell their story this way. And Mm -hmm. it's so much more impactful, I think, when it comes through like this medium, uh, because it's not just like reading a blog post or a story, right? Like you're actually playing these characters and you're living through them by doing this, right? You're, you're performing these actions with them. So you get to kind of like impose your own feelings onto these characters and kind of like at least not not fully live the life that they did, but like at least get a glimpse of it, right? To kind of gain like a better understanding. And I think Celeste is a great example of that. Like the first time I played it, I thought it was just a game about depression. Mm -hmm. And then whenever you mentioned that, like it, it makes much more sense now where it's just not only are you just trying to tackle, like just climb a mountain, right? That That metaphorical mountain of you're trying to crest and like reach the peak of your own self, right? Like you're mm-hmm. trying to like you're you're fighting your own mind that entire game and it's such a cool way to represent that in such like a new different style to it where you can get like kind of like what we do whenever we did our make our game episodes, right? You can you can tweak these themes and stories and like game mechanics 
to then tell such interesting and intriguing and in-depth stories now. And yeah. I just, I love it. It's so great. Like we're seeing it in so many different titles. Like, I mean, it's always kind of been there a little bit in the background, right? Like in games like The Sims or something like that. Like yeah. you've been able to do same-sex marriages and stuff like that. But when it comes to like the mainstream media, it's there, but not like kind of like in your face. Like mm -hmm. It seems like some games, they have it, but they just kind of hint at it, right? Or it's like little side things you can do, like, uh, what is it, like in Mass Effect, right? You can... Yeah. You can get with other people, but you can get with like you can start same sex relationships as well. But it's not really like, I guess, a part of the story. Right. Yeah. Because You can kind of just hook up with anybody, I guess. But <laughs> the fact that it's there is really interesting. And I, I like the fact that in that setting, it is the future. Right. So thinking about it now, like thinking about how much sexuality has changed over the years and kind of evolved along with us to be more accepting of everything, right? Mm -hmm. Like it still has a long way to go, but we definitely have made a, like very long strides towards a better future for it. And to think that in the future, like you can be kind of more androgynous, right? Like you you can be with anybody it's like right like it's it's more fluid yeah and i think more that's freedoms a, it, right and it, that that's such like a great i feel like that's such a great direction or a great message to send even if it wasn't the original intent the fact mm -hmm. that it's there is really great to see yeah and you were telling me um something earlier about how like D and D kind of shaped this for you as well. Like mm. I know you have something about that as well. Yeah. I mean, I love, love, love Dungeons and Dragons. I like with a passion. And what's funny about it is like, I've barely played this thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think I've only played like once or twice, maybe three times. I've done three, three little sessions, but never like an actual full campaign. But in those couple sessions, seeing the power of this world that you can create and the amount of different things you can do is just astonishing to me. And one of the big things that I think uh, Wizards of the Coast is doing fantastically with uh, Dungeons and Dragons, and yes, they do still have a lot of work to do, is um, the representation of different communities within their game, right? Mm -hmm. Like they recently had, you know, some trouble with the idea of uh, races in the game where like an orc is you know known to be kind of evil like more chaotic evil and not smart they're more like brutes they're not like you don't really see like wizard orcs because that's just something that doesn't like doesn't really make sense because they're going off of a tolkien inspired right right uh, creation because what's crazy to think about the idea of an orc was never even around until lord of the rings that didn't exist. It was just, that's just a different version of a goblin. It's a bigger goblin. Right. So um, I guess Tolkien... Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Tolkien did, um, wanted to create more lore and mythos for England. So he actually came up with the idea of orcs. So all of those huh. like concepts that we get are from Tolkien, which is kind of nuts to think about. But 
you know, there is some problematic things in there, some old age thinking, right? Like there's some right. inherent racism between specifically like elves and dwarves, right? They don't like each other just because, right? There is no real reason. It's they feel like elves feel like dwarves are brutes and uneducated because they're higher class, right? Like there, there's some definite problems with it, right? Yeah. But they have amended a lot of that in their more recent versions and what's great about it is yeah sure those might be in the guidebooks kind of like baked in a little bit but one of the big rules of thumb that you hear a lot from dms is that it's not called a rule book it's called a guidebook right so you you don't have to adhere strictly to these these words they're just guides to help you along on your journey and I just think that's great because it allows everyone to kind of tell their story and this gives people a different avenue to kind of explore themselves. And actually, while one of the podcasts I've been listening to because I've been so obsessed with Dimension 20 lately <laughs> is uh, Brendan Lee Mulligan also had a podcast called The Adventuring Academy, which was a great little show where he interviewed various DMs from various shows. Um, and kind of got their story on how they started playing D&D, what got them into it. And a lot of the DMs that he spoke with uh, actually are a part of the LBGTQ community. And one like the common thread between all of them so far that I've heard, um, which is probably like six people in a row, which is kind of crazy to think about, was that every single one of them while playing D&D had a relationship with like someone of the same sex before they had one in real life or even before they came out. So Dungeons and Dragons giving them the tools to be comfortable to try out these things, I think is such an amazing, amazing thing. Like it allows the people to kind of explore themselves not just sexually, but in any facet, because you can just be whoever you want to be. It's make-believe. You you create the world that you want to play in, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it is easier, too, because you're playing with like-minded people. Like, the whole, like, the main goal of creating a campaign is also creating a safe space for people to feel comfortable, to kind of explore, to try out new characters, to do silly character voices and not be made fun of it, or to flex their nerd muscles and not get, like, called a geek or a dweeb or beat up, right? Like, it yeah. creates this area for people to feel comfortable and safe, and I think it just really shows that so much more when hearing these stories for these these people who, before even coming out, we're experimenting with these ideals. So, yeah, I I love Dungeons & Dragons, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense, though, because you can really be and do whatever you want. So it, it makes, like, it, it you really do feel safe, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think it's awesome. I never really looked at D&D as, like, a... I mean, I knew you could kind of obviously be whatever you want, but I never really looked at it in that way. And it's actually kind of cool, yeah. you know, to allow people that expressive canvas to just, you know, do whatever they want. Yeah. And I really would encourage people out there, like, 
if you're looking for a community or a safe space or things like that, there's a lot of tools baked into DMing a game uh, or running a game. Uh, like there's safety cards that you can do. There's like you want to make sure that you have a conversation with the entire party of what you're comfortable with talking about before even starting a campaign. Then mm. if anybody is interested in playing a game or, you know, just kind of exploring that world, regardless of orientation or anything like that um i i would recommend even like we have great tools like roll 20 which has online gaming where you can just kind of hop into a game um and what's great about that is if you meet a group that really doesn't mesh with you or they're just not getting it or they make you uncomfortable you can just leave and find a new group that's just not the right game for you and they don't need to be a part of your your fantasy world right Mm-hmm. Another great tool that you can use as well to find a game if you're looking for one is um, actually Meetup. Meetup, mm. uh, like I was looking at it a couple days ago because I was kind of curious, but in San Diego where we are, um, there's actually like uh, quite a few different groups in downtown San Diego alone that meet up every Wednesday and every Sunday like and have campaigns. They have multiple games going on. And they even have ones that are specifically for LGBTQ people. Like they have it where like it's really, really creating a safe space for that. Yeah. And I just think it's amazing to do that. So like if if this is if you ever even had some minor curiosities about this game, jump in, like just watch some videos on it, get comfortable, like just go out there. I know it's hard to put yourself out there. I mean. I have always been the perpetual shy kid, right? So (laughs) I understand how hard it is to really put yourself out there. But just try it out. And like I said, if if it's not meshing with you, maybe that's just not the right group for you, right? Like, don't give up on it. Just you're going to find the right group. And once you find an adventuring party that you really, really mesh with and they kind of get your same ideas, you're going to find a new, like, chosen family, right it's going to be so much stronger that way then it's just great there, there's so many tools out there and the, the like i said roll 20 and meetup those are just a couple of ways to kind of find games available um i mean hell i know i want to play so if you guys want to play D, hit us up on the discord right like yeah I, I think that'd be great i would love to do it and you know i've actually been thinking one of the things that i i heard on the podcast as well of adventure academy is if you're the person that really wants to play and you're having a hard time finding a party to get together or having a hard time finding someone to DM for you, then it sounds like you just need to become the DM. So if I have Hmm. to become a DM and figure it out because I've never done it before, I would be more than happy to go on that, you know, adventure with you guys and just kind of figure this stuff out. So yeah, hit us up on the discord. We'd love to chat about it with you guys. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Hell, I'll even help, too. Yeah, that'd be great, man. Shoot. <laughs> we got some ideas already, so it'll be cool. Exactly. Yeah. I can come up with a story pretty quickly, so. Right? And we're pretty good at, you know, thinking off the cuff, so you just throw whatever you want at us. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Just jumping in real quick. Uh, you know, just want to say, first of all, thank you for continuing listening, and obviously you're enjoying it because you've reached the middle of our episode. Uh, but... Before we continue on, uh, we just wanted to remind you all that if you are truly enjoying what you're hearing and you want to learn some more about us, 
uh, you can find us on uh, social medias and we have links in our description and you can find me and all the drawings that I'm doing on Instagram at Kieran and that's K-E-U-R-A-N. What about you, Chris? Uh, you can find me at Sloppy Cube on Instagram. That's Sloppy and Cube at the end of it. <clears throat> I do all retro games or just games in general. So if that's your thing, check me out. You can also message me about ideas and anything because I love talking. Yep. We both really enjoy talking, obviously, because we are recording a podcast. So if, <laughs> if you want to join in the conversation, please reach out to us on the Discord. And let's get right back into this episode. But that's more tabletop stuff. Um <clears throat> As far as like any other, uh, you, you mentioned a game that was hidden from the world for many, many years, and I'm sure a lot of gamers probably don't know about it. So do you want to let them know? Yeah. So I first heard, like, I first heard about this through the show High Score, uh, which was a, it's a documentary. I think it's still on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, it's a series that goes over kind of like the early history of games in different ways and there was an episode on this topic for the most part and there was a game that was created in 1992 uh, by Ryan Best and the game was called Mm Gayblade and it was basically a dungeon crawler and it was I think quoted to be the earliest or first Right. Uh, LGBTQ themed game. And it was lost. Uh, it was, I think, originally like just shareware because that was big back then. Right. And they lost the file to it. And for, you know, it wasn't really found until 2020. Uh, the LGBTQ video game archive actually helped find it. And that's great. Um, once they found it, they were able to upload it to the Internet Archive or archive.org where you can actually download it for free if anyone's interested. But this game was so different for the time because, I mean, one, it wasn't represented at all in games, really, aside from like what you were saying with D&D. Yeah, 92. But even then, like in D&D, there, there were some gatekeeper, gatekeepy stuff going on, right? Like... Yeah. Which is unfortunate. It's actually interesting because the game has you battle against that. So basically the story is you are trying to save Empress Nelda and (laughs) your party is comprised of like queer characters, drag queens, um, anything in, you know, where you want to be. And like weapons are like nails, maze, blow dryers, um, armor you can have like condoms as armor like it's just it's out there and it's awesome that's cool that's great you basically like the big enemy is uh modeled after a very famous um advisor to nixon at the time pat buchanan oh really Uh, (laughs) he for people that don't know he was basically the person that said that the AIDS epidemic was God seeking revenge against gay people. And Horrible. you are basically 
on your journey to fight him. And along the way, like you have your enemies are basically like preachers with money. Uh, you have racists, you have even like STIs or crabs as like enemies, you know, you have homophobic cops. Like you just, you have like all of like, you know, the general people that would not be open-minded are, are your enemies. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but the game is really cool. Like I, I haven't had a chance to play it. I, I actually really want to because I love dungeon crawlers as well, but I mean, it just sounds great. If I could be a drag queen is, character, I'd love to. <laughs> the game is beautiful. It's just, you know, it's pink. Um, it surprisingly looks good for like a dungeon crawler at the time. Mm-hmm. Like, and for it, it being shareware. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's, cool i think that you know it's it's obviously dated like most kind of games like these are nowadays but you know seeing quite a bit of it i think it would be like a fun little playthrough i think it would you know it's i'm glad that they found it because i mean it's i feel like it's important you know it's it's cool that it was done so early you know Mm and like the gaming realm um, but that was like the first kind of themed game. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was actually, I was reading an article on uh, this one creator, Danielle Berry. Uh, she was known for working on a game for the Atari 400. Um, and at the time, I think they were transitioning. I couldn't find any information about that. But they created uh, a game called Mule. And at the time, it was something different uh, because it was, I think, in the very early 80s, 83. And it was a multiplayer game, which obviously was kind of rare back then. Because, I mean, think multiplayer back then on the Atari, you had, like, what, Pong and racing games. Like, nothing really, yeah, nothing crazy. But this game was basically, like, an economic simulator. Um, with squares and stuff and you do trading and I was looking into it and the game's actually really in depth for the time mm-hmm. and that's always my critique for games back then in the 80s like Atari era like I just I never got into them because I always just felt like they were very simple arcade games I mean maybe I'm missing out but I mean if anybody has any ideas for good Atari games let me know I'm, I'm down to play them they but, always seem like what what you see is what you get right it's very surface exactly. level kind of games yeah and this game just seems so in depth. I mean, it was also on the Commodore 64, so it has that like kind of PC like element to it, which I guess the Atari 400 was more more in line with the PC than really like the 7600 like a, a home console kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But like the game is just it's crazy. Like it's it it's very simple looking, but you do trading, you can play against other people like to work against them or work together. And it's actually been credited um, by Will Wright, the creator of Sims and SimCity, mm-hmm. saying like it actually had a huge influence on him making SimCity. And when you look at the comparisons, you can kind of see it because the whole square structure of like the building, the settlements and stuff, it kind of it has that early bones of the structure. And it's kind of cool. Right. And it's still praised as a game for you know at the time it was just something so different and it's cool you know seeing like a very early multiplayer game 
in that era. Yeah. Um, I mean, I thought that was something really interesting that I found out. Because I remember I've seen the game Mule before, like, scrolling through, you know, game collections and stuff. But I never thought to look at it. And actually, really interesting. It's it's cool. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. That sounds, that sounds great, actually. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the big things that we're seeing nowadays is like with newer games coming out and them having these kind of themes to help, you know, increase representation, they all have like hardship as like their backbone, right? Or some sort of turmoil or like traumatic event, which, you know, like you see like Life is Strange or Gone Home, right? Like they're very like burdened down, right? And Mm -hmm. it's, it's tough to, you know, see those things. And I, I, I mean, I'm hopeful that in the future, in the near future, that we get to see more games that take these kind of characters and these themes and put them more in like a positive light. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I mean, something as simple as like, uh, was it daddy dating simulator? Like, Oh yeah, it's such a like a fun, cutesy, simple game, but it's I mean it's great, right? Like it's just it's silly, and I like it's a concept of a game that or a theme that we've seen time and time again, right? It, it's not like dating sims are not like anything new, but the fact that it, like it has more of like the like. LGBTQ uh, theme attached to it, like, or at least the possibility for that, like, that, that's great, right? And, like, I feel mm-hmm. like we need to have more, like, we're starting to see more comfort in that aspect and seeing more games coming out where it's just kind of part of the theme, right? It's not, like, like, like forced to be hidden with the story. It's just a part of it, right? Like, uh, even look at, like, Night in the Woods, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Like the character, like best friends, is a is a couple between the wolf and a bear, right? And they're yep. a, a gay male couple, and they live together. And it, it's not like it's not even like like oh like nobody in the city says anything negative, which is great, right? Like it just kind of yep. it's an accepted thing, and it's beautiful to see that where it's like oh it's and it, what's funny about that one too, it's like it's not even just same sex at that point. It's inner species too right so yeah (laughs) it just kind of really really kind of like expands on that idea even more which is amazing and i think some of the greatest like conversations actually were with those characters because they were so grounded and so well thought out and so well planned and you can kind of feel like like those had to have been based off of somebody in the designer's life, right? Like I, I didn't do any research on it, but it, it feels like you would meet these people, right? Just out in the real yeah. world. And I love that. Like it, it just makes it that much more strong and just memorable and just kind of grounds the world that you're exploring even more. And like that game has so many deep, deep themes within it for being cute adorable animals and like a really interesting art style that's not like edgy or dark or grim it's more like kind of like comic booky you know like paper cut out looking kind of stuff right yeah and it's able to portray these crazy or it even has like a cult it has murder it has 
like depression it has alcoholism it has like anxiety driven dreams right like it's just all of it all encompassed into one amazing title and to even to even include proper representation as well like it's just such a great great thing i just love yeah it. yeah i feel like that game has something almost anybody can relate to and it's i i think it's amazing you know that you know people are able to get like stories and atmospheres like this out there and just you know have it so people can relate it's crazy you know growing up with games i never really found myself really relating to many characters because i mean most of it you know it, it it it's a game you know i never really related to anything i mean i feel like for me like the first time was maybe like you know mass effect or dragon age which i actually want to talk about because yeah with dragon age i mean a lot of people know about like with dorian like if you if you played those games you know um and a little history dorian was a think he was the knight or prince i forget it's been a while since i played it Mm -hmm. but basically yeah i think it was a prince because his king or his dad um would send him off to a camp for therapy um because dorian was gay and it touched on that subject and reading more into it um david i think it's gator i think that's how you say his name i don't think it's gator i'm really bad at pronouncing like (laughs) names like that no ways um so apologies and uh he created uh, quite a few stuff at Bioware, actually. Boulder's Gate 2, Knights of the Old Republic, and the Dragon Age stuff. And he, there was an uh, article that he responded to a fan's question. And basically he said that, you know, talking about myself as a gay man and how that relates to my work isn't something I tend to do. I think it raises the specter of the gay thing if I talk about it too much, as if it were the only thing which I'm concerned and basically, he says to the person who sent this question, thank you for letting me know how affecting it was for you and a game where you could be yourself. We make role-playing games, which means that the character you play doesn't have to be yourself. But I believe there's an element where having a game acknowledge that you exist can be validating in a way most people never consider. Mm. No doubt because they have no need for validation and thus no knowledge as to what the lack of it can do to someone. And... You know, I think something like that, it's... That's beautiful. That Yeah, it's it's awesome that, you know, validation is becoming more of a thing now. And it's it's not like it's being shoved in your face either. And like you said, like, if it doesn't relate to you, then it doesn't. But if it does, then, I mean, that makes it more special. And I think a lot of people overlook that, you know, with the game gamer community sometimes can be a little extreme sometimes (laughs) yeah i mean they can pick things apart and they don't really have a reason to and it's just like why but for the communities that you know do feel connected to it you know it's special and i think that it's important that you know more things like this exist and i think that you know with where we're going with games i think that you know different communities like in general like 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 mental illness and disabilities you know drug addiction all of this stuff is starting to be represented better in games like it's it's making it so anyone can feel connected in a way and 
yeah, it's tough sometimes when you hear people complain about it in games, but that's because, you know, they never walk that life. They don't, they don't know how it feels and, you know, whatever to them. If you can relate to a game and you love it, that's what's important. Exactly. And that's why these games were made because they want people to, you know, feel connected. They want them to breathe life into these games and make it more than just a game, you know, make it, make it about you. And it's just, it's, it's great. I love it. And it, it makes me happy seeing that, you know, games are becoming more open to everything. Yeah, that's perfect. That is the perfect 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 way of putting it that was beautiful man <laughs> thanks that was great i can go on a rant about this kind of stuff for a long time <laughs> well i mean it's just I, so important to have representation in every sort of art form or media or anything like that right like that's what we're seeking is to be heard everywhere it doesn't matter who you are you want to be heard you want to be able to relate to something to 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 you know start that conversation with someone else right to to like for those who don't want to be able to or can't you know openly talk about these things these tools are being used to help like start that conversation right Mm -hmm. and just bring people together and it's just so great like yeah it's uh, i i wish growing up there was more like games or other media that I felt more and more like connected to on that sort of level. Right. Where like, like you mentioned that a lot of games that we grew up with, it's hard to kind of impose yourself onto that character fully. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I, I know I went through my share of like depression and just all kinds of stuff. And there weren't games that I could really, really latch onto. Like there was a couple out there, but nothing on like the level that we're seeing now with some of these more dramatic themings that just really, really allow you to live through that life and kind of just gain even just a little bit of an understanding of what someone else is going through. Yeah. I will say one thing, and this is going back to Mass Effect that really pissed me off, was (laughs) I was playing as Femship through one of my playthroughs of the series. And it made me so mad that in Mass Effect 3 that I could not be with Jack. <laughs> I, I'm still angry to this day about it because I, I love Jack. She's beautiful. And it made me mad that <laughs> I would have to play as a male ship just to be with her. Hey. But yeah, aside from that. yeah, I mean, that's life, right? Not everyone's in yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, I think that's going to do it for us this week. I mean, like we mentioned before, really, like, we just want to use this to help celebrate, to help, you know, even just if we can help open that conversation up even more, right? We just want to celebrate everyone out there, no matter what your sexual orientation is, doesn't matter, right? Like, this is the whole point of gaming's and enjoyment of this medium is to help bring people together, whether it's your love for video games or tabletop games, for just lore, for fantasy novels, doesn't matter. Get lost in those worlds and use them to then tell your story, to get your to, to really find out who you are and then share it with the world. And like we've said multiple times, if someone's not getting it or they're just not into it, 
that's fine. That's their prerogative. You don't need to surround yourself with people like that. You can find communities out there, find other people out there that will love you and respect you for who you are as a human being, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, just go out there and tell your story and share it with the world. And and we would love to be a part of it, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. I feel like I'm getting kind of like choked up about it because it's such an ama- it's such an important thing. And I wish that growing up, I had something like this that like Same. it it would have it would have changed so much for me. <laughs> I, yeah, it's just it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, I think I think for me, like at a younger age, it would have meant a lot more. I think for me, like when games started allowing me to have like more open things it really opened my eyes to things too. And it made me like realize a lot about myself that, you know, I never really put out there and Mm -hmm. it's, it's cool. You know, I, I can relate and it's just, it, it makes me happy that we're seeing this more. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. And everyone out there that's hearing this, like, show your love. It's Pride Month. Show, like, let that flag run high. Like, show your colors. Let it all out there. And like we mentioned before, if anyone is interested in, you know, maybe doing a campaign or you need some help finding a group in your area, we would be more than happy to help you out with that, right? Yeah. Um, and if you just need someone to talk to you or if you want to... Yeah, if you just want to talk, if you want to chat, join our Discord. We're there. Like I'm on a, I'm online all the time. <laughs> like if you need someone to talk to you, hit us up. We'll be more than happy to do that because that's our main goal here is to help build up a community. And Yeah. Yeah, like let My DMs are always open. Yeah, let us help you build that community or help us build that community, right? Like either way, like let's do this together. All right. So with that I'm going to say thank you again. We love you guys. We love all y'all. Thank you so much. And uh, bye. Bye.